we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to take the Bible this morning, take God's Word, and go with me into the book of Daniel. And we come back to Daniel uh, this week to the third chapter, Daniel chapter number three. And if you were with us last week, uh, we began with Nebuchadnezzar in chapter number three as he called the people of his kingdom, all those who were influential, uh, those who served him, and those he had conquered, who he had deputized and trained to serve him, he called them to a meeting in the plain of Dura where he had set up a golden image, an image of a god fashioned in his own mind, uh, perhaps, as I mentioned last week, that idea came to him from that vision he had in chapter number two. And he created his own religion. And he sought to train all those in his kingdom to worship him and to conform uh, to the ideology of Babylon. All of the influential people were there. The orchestra, the band was there, and they played all types of music. And a herald told them, when you hear the music, you bow down and you worship the image. And when the music was played, there were three boys who did not bow. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were Hebrew boys who had been carried away captive from Jerusalem into Babylon. They entered into uh, the training program that Nebuchadnezzar instituted in chapter number one, uh, a program that was designed to remove from their hearts and minds the awareness and the knowledge of the true and the living God. They were taught to deny his existence. They were taught a new language and given a new diet and new names and they were from that point forward to be the servants of Nebuchadnezzar. We know that we're living in an age where uh, the same agenda is being propagated today. Especially we see that happening in our nation. It's happening all around the world, of course. But we see it happening in our nation, the denial of our heritage and the beliefs upon which this country was founded. Uh, our founding fathers have been villainized. Uh, the truths that we have been taught in our country, the principles upon which we have stood uh, are eroding away and being replaced by a new idea, a new ideology, and a new agenda that removes God from the arena and teaches us to be worshipers of self. It teaches us that we can do whatever it is we wish to do if we want to 
once you remove God from the scene, you, you recognize that you are the master of your own fate, at least that in your mind you think that to be true. And so if you don't like the fact that you're a man, you can choose to become a woman. And if you don't like the fact that you're a woman, you can choose to become a man. And there's really no end in sight. This is the age in which we live. And so as we looked at chapter 3 last week, and my wife said to me after the service, she said, that was a heavy message. And I said, yes, it was. It was a heavy message to preach, especially if it just stopped there. But thanks be unto God, the chapter continued. And... I trust that this morning we'll all be encouraged by the response of these three young men who refused to bow to the image of Nebuchadnezzar and will be encouraged by the fact that God delivered them from the fire. As we come to chapter number three, we'll begin reading in verse number 16. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the king in wrath was full of fury, the Bible says, and his visage or his countenance changed. His attitude changed. He he became very angry and very hostile toward those three boys. The Bible says again in the middle of verse 19, that's where we stopped, therefore he spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them in the burning, fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace was exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego." And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonied and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was the hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces." And their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can come together in your presence and approach your word together. And we pray that you would speak to us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our understanding that we might receive your truth. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me with thyself and enable me to communicate your truth and help us that we might yield our wills and respond to you in obedience and be strengthened today. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray it. Amen. Well, we know the story and we know how it ends, but the boys living it were living it in real time. All they could see before them was the intimidating crowd. They could hear the angry king, and they could see the f- and feel the flames of the furnace. And the king said, here's your last chance, bow. And they said, king, we are not careful to answer thee. In other words, we don't hesitate. We're, 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 we're not at all concerned about how to tell you this. We just want you to know that we're not going to bow. Look at verse 17. Notice the first four words we find there. If it be so. If it be so. In other words, if our God chooses, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. They were not careful. They were not afraid to answer him. They were not anxious about it because they had faith in God. They were confident in the Lord. They did not know what the outcome would be, but nevertheless, they were confident in their God. And they let the king know that if God so chooses, he can deliver us from the fire. And then just to back it up with an amen they said but know this king no matter how this thing shakes out god will deliver us from your hand then i want you to look at verse 18 if you would in the first three words but if not if it be so god can deliver us but if not be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. No matter what happens to us, king, we have determined, we have made the choice that we will not bow, but we will stand and we will stand in faith. And as we noted last week, their faith was under fire. This week, today, we see this truth that Their faith took them through the fire. And I want to speak to you on that subject. Faith through the fire. Faith through the fire. As we noted last week, we, as well as these men, 
are going through the fire. Living in these last days, living in these perilous times, we're going through the fire. Our faith is under attack. We're being told to bow and worship the image of this world. Paul, who was threatened and warned not to go back to Jerusalem, decided to go to Jerusalem because he believed that is what God wanted him to do. In fact, the Lord appeared to him and told him not to fear. And in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 22, as Paul is telling the Ephesian elders of his plans, this is what he says. He says, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. This is one thing Paul said, I do know. I'm either going to get arrested or I'm going to get persecuted. And that had been the pattern throughout his entire ministry. Just read through 2 Corinthians 11 where Paul's sufferings are listed for us. But he said, in spite of all that, in verse 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul resolved in his heart that those things did not move him, but what was important to him was that he complete his mission as a believer. As a church today, we have a mission. Our mission is to make Christ known. Our mission is to stand upon his word and to live his truth. In Acts chapter 27, Paul is on his way now from Jerusalem to Rome. He is going to Rome and he will stand ultimately before Caesar. He's on a vessel, a ship sailing the sea. He has warned the captain and the crew not to travel. But nevertheless, they chose to travel and they encountered a storm. In Acts 27 and verse 20, the Bible said, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. The storm had been battering them for days and days, and now they haven't seen the sun, the moon, the stars in a great number of days, and all hope is lost. The Bible says in verse 21, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, of whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Verse 25, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. You see, I want you to know that though we, like Paul, are on a vessel that seems to be sinking, and though it may seem to us that we're going down with the ship, we can be of good cheer. Yes, that's a heavy, heavy thought to consider, that our faith is under fire. But it's a blessing to understand that our faith in God will take us through the fire. 
so we can be of good cheer if we believe God. Do you believe God this morning? As we see all of these things unfolding in our world, we see the shifts in our culture. We see a faltering system on the brink of destruction. As we see this happening, the Bible says that we can be of good cheer for I believe God. I remember the day that I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. I heard the message of the gospel as a seven-year-old boy, and I knew that if I did not receive Christ as my Savior, that hell would be my home for all eternity, and I did not want to go there, and I knew that God had sent his son to die for me. And as I heard the message of the gospel, I understood that it was my responsibility to confess my sin to the Lord Jesus and ask him to be my Savior, to put my faith in him, to believe in him, the one who died for me, the one who was buried in the tomb, and the one who rose again the third day, that he was my only hope of salvation. And as a seven-year-old boy in that Bible school meeting, I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I bowed my head and I prayed, and I asked the Lord to be my Savior, and he saved me that day. You see, I, I believe God. I believe his word is true. I've lived now to the age of 53, almost 54. I've grown up in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. I've heard the truth of God's word preached and taught throughout my, nearly my entire life. And this is one thing I can tell you. The longer I live, the more confident I become in the God of the Bible and the truth of God's word. And yes, I'm concerned and burdened about what I see happening in my nation. I'm concerned and burdened about what is happening in our world. But I can be of good cheer because I believe God. These three boys, I imagine as they stood there while the entire multitude of people were bowed, looking up at them. As the music stopped and the king stood and began to excoriate them and yell at them and, 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 and interrogate them and ask them how they could have the audacity not to bow, I imagine they maybe have thought to themselves or even said to one another, be of good cheer, for I believe God. And therefore they stood. They stood. I want you to note three truths this morning that we must remember if we are going to stand in faith. If we're going to stand with a faith that will take us through the fire. And I'm reminded of Paul's words in Ephesians 6 and verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to take your stand? And I want to give you three truths that will help you to stand. Well, let me give you the first one. Number one, they stood in the power of God. These boys stood in the power of God. Who were these three boys to stand against this mighty king, his army, his cabinet, all of his counselors, and all of the people who had gathered there? Who were they? Well, they were simply just three boys. There was nothing special about them. 
I don't picture them as intimidating. I don't picture them as particularly strong. They, they may not have been the best debaters in, 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 in all of Babylon, but here's what they had on their side. They had the Lord. And may I remind you this morning that we have God. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, he dwells within you. And so when the king came to them in his rage and began to threaten them with the fiery furnace, they said in verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that our God whom we serve is able? That's the only thing that matters. Is he able to save those who call on him? Absolutely. Is he able to deliver us? Through the fiery furnace, the answer to that question is yes, God is able to deliver us. He may choose to do it in the here and now, or he may choose to take us through the furnace and then, as he did with these boys, deliver us from it. Or, as they considered, he can take us from the furnace and deliver us through it all. You see, God is able to deliver us. Now, I want you to remember the fires that they were facing. I, I listed them for you last week. There was the fire of intimidation. This great crowd and the great scene and this, uh, this great image, 90 feet tall, made of gold, it was designed to intimidate. But these boys withstood the flames of intimidation in the power of God. It was designed to indoctrinate. In chapter 1, we learned of Nebuchadnezzar's education program. He brought these boys hundreds and hundreds of miles away from home. He changed their names to disassociate them from their God and to associate them with the gods of Babylon. He changed their language. He began to teach them the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. He wanted to remove God from their heart and mind and replace God with the thoughts and ideologies of Babylon. They, fame, they face the flames of intimidation and indoctrination and then incrimination. When they refused to bow, what happened? The members of the Chaldean cabinet came forward and they said, these three boys, they don't regard you king and they do not regard your golden image and they will not bow. We live in a culture today that penalizes people who will take a stand. There are people who attend our church who've been told not to talk about the Lord on the job. You can talk about any kind of progressive, sinful thing that is happening in this world, and those things are promoted in many corporations, but you cannot speak for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do, you'll suffer the cost. Incrimination. And then interrogation. When the king began to question them and say, is it true that you won't bow down? Well, here's your last opportunity, fellas. You see, they're facing these flames, and these flames are, 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 are blazing today in our land. John tells us that this will happen in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, if you'll turn there with me. John speaks of the deception that will come to this world and the discernment that believers must have if we are to stand in the power of God. 
Now, remember, we don't stand in our own power. We stand in his power and his strength against these awful fires. In 1 John chapter 4, John writes, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. You see, the Bible teaches us that deception is the tool of the devil. And it is a tool that marks the end of the age before the coming of the Lord. And the Bible tells us and warns us that the deception in the end days would be so strong that if it were possible, the very elect, those who know God, those who are a part of his church, would be deceived. This is language to help us understand how strong the deception will be. And John is warning us here. Many false prophets are gone out into the world. Verse 2, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. That the Son of God has come in the flesh to bear your sins in mind, that he suffered, bled, and died, was buried, and he rose again. Every spirit that confesses that is of God. Every spirit that believes this Bible, this book, is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. Even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want you to know that those boys possessed a strength that all the armies of Nebuchadnezzar did not possess. God was in them. And greater is he that is in us today than he that is in the world. When, when you look at what's happening in our nation, you look at what's happening in our world, it's just unbelievable. And you think, how did these people ascend to power? And, and it seems like everybody and everything that has influence is on their side. And everyone who has influence and power wants to deny the existence of the Lord Jesus Christ, wants to deny his word as being truthful, and wants to propagate lies and deceptions. And sometimes it feels like we're outnumbered, we're outmanned, we're outmaneuvered. And they have more machinery than we do, more strength than we do. But we need to be reminded that we have God on our side. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so we find that with God, all things are possible. I'm reminded of little David, who we've been studying, uh, King David. We've been studying his life on Sunday mornings. We've taken just a brief break here in the month of July. But remember when David was just a lad, just a boy, and his dad said, go take your brothers some lunch, and they're up at the, they're up at the uh, battle. And there hadn't been many, much action on, on the battlefield because Goliath was every morning coming in front of the armies of Israel and, and daring any of them to come and fight him, and nobody would. This giant of a man that no one would fight would curse God each day and mock the Israelites. 
But David, who had come into the camp, heard him do so. And David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And David said, I'll go down and fight with him. And so this little shepherd boy, just, a, just an adolescent, went down into the Valley of Elah with five smooth stones in his sling to face this giant. And the giant saw this little boy coming to him, and he, the Bible says he disdained him. And he said, am I a dog that you've come out with me with a staff, a shepherd's staff, and, and, and some stones? And we read in 1 Samuel 17, as David approached this great man of war with his power and his might and his gigantic stature, the Bible says that David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's our God. The Lord of hosts, the captain of the army, the mighty army. That's what he's saying there. The God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. I'm not going to take your life. He said, God is going to deliver you. And I want to say this to you today. We cannot preserve our own lives. God will preserve our lives. I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That's our mission. That was the mission of those three boys that day. They said, we can't bow to this image. We're not going to bow. We're going to stand and testify that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. In other words, their weapons, God doesn't use the weapons of this world. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And we know what happened. David let loose with that sling, and the stone found its place, and the giant fell. And David took the sword of the giant and cut off his head. This is what I want to say to you this morning. With God, all things are possible. We must stand in the power of God. Stand in faith, believing. God, our God, whom we serve, is able. Well, let me give you the second thought. And that is number two, they stood in the providence of God. They stood in the providence of God, meaning that they knew that their lives were not in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Their lives and their fate was not going to be determined by the Chaldeans who accused them or the crowd that was gathered. They knew that their lives and their, their, their lives were solidly in the hand of their God. Look, if you would, in verse 18. Remember now, verse 17, if it be so... Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us, verse 18. But if not, in other words, if he chooses not to do so, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You see, by saying, but if not, it says if he chooses not to deliver us, it doesn't change anything, king. We do not plan to worship your God. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you willing to stand in the if not? You know, we all like to think about the if it be so, our God is able. Man, wouldn't that be great, you know? Take your stand and 
see God work miraculously and you go through the fire and come out on the other side. That's a great thought, isn't it? But these boys were willing to go into the fire and be burnt and die in the flames. And their confidence in God didn't change either with either outcome or wouldn't have changed with either outcome because they clearly say, but if not, <laughs> be it known unto thee that we will not serve thy gods. You see, they were willing to stand in the if not because they could see beyond the furnace into the future. Look at verse 17 once more, if you would please. They said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. In other words, if we come through the furnace or if we perish in the furnace, know this king, either way, we're winning because you are no longer going to have any power over us. Are we willing to stand in the if not? Now, Jonathan seized an opportunity to win a victory over the Philistines in 1 Samuel 14 and verse 6. He said to his armor bearer, come, let us go over under the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Just Jonathan and his armor bearer went against a garrison of the Philistines, and they won the victory. But they were willing to fight not knowing the outcome. In our study of David, we just looked at the battle that David and his men had with the Ammonites and the Syrians, and we know that as Israel was going to fight those Ammonites, Joab encouraged his brother to trust God. And Joab, with one of the great statements that he ever made in his life, said this in 2 Samuel 10 and verse 12, Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. We've got a responsibility, he said. Let's go fight the battle. And let's trust God, and we can be confident that God will do that which seemeth him good, including the possibility that they would have fallen. But they prevailed. You see, although, jo although, uh, although the outcome was uncertain, Joab was confident in the Lord. Mordecai encouraged Esther to act in faith and said, who knoweth whether thou art come into the kingdom for such a time as this? You see, they stood in the providence of God. Now, in Hebrews chapter number 11, we have the hall of, uh, the hall of faith. In Hebrews 11 and verse 32, as we come to the end of that chapter, in verse 32, uh, the author says, and what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, Women received their dead, raised to life again. What exploits? Who doesn't want to be in a part of that? Who doesn't want to be on the winning side? Who doesn't want to see God do great and mighty things? Don't we all wish to see that? And those boys knew that God was able to do those things 
But then the Bible continues in verse 35. And others, there were others. Some were able to see great victories and accomplish exploits for the Lord in faith. But then there were others. Was God the God of some and not the God of others? No. He's the God of all. All who trust in him. And others were tortured. No great tale there. No victorious song there. Others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. Not willing to recant their faith in their God. Not accepting deliverance. That they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts. They had no home. In the mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You see, they were willing to live in the if not. They trusted in the providence of God. If we're going to stand in faith, we must stand in the providence of God. Yes, we'll see God do great and mighty things. But there will be others. But here's what happens to all. They're all delivered. You see, if those boys had burned in those flames, they might have found their ashes at the end of the day, but they wouldn't have been in that furnace. They would have been with Jesus in heaven. Jesus said, don't fear him who has the power to kill you, but fear him who has the power to destroy both soul and body in hell. They stood in the power of God. Number two, they stood in the providence of God, trusting that God would accomplish his purpose in their lives. Then finally, they stood in the presence of God. Look at verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. was astonished. <clears throat> And he rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men. <laughs> we threw three men in the fire, but I see four men. And they're loose. They're not bound anymore. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar didn't know what the Son of God looked like. But when he saw him, he knew who he was. Do you know who was in the fire with him? Jesus. 
Jesus was in the fire. You see, these boys recognized that they were going to take their stand and they were going to trust God and believe in the presence of God, that God was with them. In verse 17 and verse 18, they said, if it be so, our God is able to deliver us. Well, if he's able to deliver, that means he sees what's happening and he's present. But if not, again, he sees what's happening and he's present. You see, they were confident that the unseen God was the ever-present God who was with them and who would go with them into the fire, and they met him there. David the psalmist wrote and said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. In Psalm 137, he said, If I ascend into heaven, if I make my bed in hell, if I dwell in the darkness or if I dwell in the light, there is no place that I can go where God is not with me. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It might be dark as it was for Paul and the people on board the boat that night, but friends, we can be of good cheer because we believe God. He is with us and he will never leave us. Paul wrote to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 4, before he went to trial, he said this. He said, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Paul said, all my friends and companions have forsaken me. Verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. You see, those boys weren't alone when they refused to bow. And they weren't alone when they went into the furnace. The Lord was with them. The Lord stood with me, Paul said, and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me into his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you know what happened to Paul? They killed him. They executed him. But let me tell you where he is today. He's in heaven with Jesus. He was willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You see, Paul won the victory. He was a winner either way. And so too are we. The great thing is that when we go into the fire, Jesus is with us. So they had the faith to stand. They had the courage to say, we will not bow because they believed God. And because they believed God, they stood in the power of God. They stood in the providence of God, trusting him. And they stood in the presence of God. He was with them. Now, as we conclude, let me just give you four quick thoughts that I believe will encourage us as we act in faith and refuse to bow and take our stand. Number one, we should expect the fires of persecution. We should expect them. As, as many of these young people uh, graduate from school and go in maybe to to college, if it's not a Bible college or a Christian college, their faith is going to be mocked and ridiculed. 
they can expect the fires of persecution. As we live in this world and see secularism on the increase, as it infiltrates every area of our lives and our culture, we can expect the fires of persecution. Peter said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials. Jesus uh, tells us that the world will hate us, John 15, because it hates him. And Paul tells us, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We should expect to face the fires of persecution. Number two, we will experience fellowship with Christ through the fire. You see, Jesus met him in the fire, didn't he? He was there with them. Can you imagine the fear that may have gripped their hearts as they were entering into those flames and the guards who were throwing them in died just trying to get them in there? But when they got in there, there was Christ. Paul said, my goal in life, he said, the pursuit of my life is that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. You see, in suffering, in trial, in affliction, we know Christ in a greater way. Let me give you a third thought. We will enjoy freedom in the fire. You know, the Bible tells us with great detail what those boys were wearing and that they were bound with ropes and they were thrown into the fire. When they came out of the fire, the smell of the fire was not on them. Their clothes were not burned. The hairs of their head were not singed. The only thing that was removed were the ropes or the chains, whatever they were bound in. You see, the fire God uses to free us of things that encumber us and that limit us. So we will enjoy freedom in the fire. And then fourthly, we have a future after the fire. They came out of the fire. Everybody saw that the true and the living God was God. Nebuchadnezzar promoted them. But had they perished in those flames, they would have had an eternal future, a future that they're now enjoying either way, right? in heaven with God for all eternity. We have a future after the fire. And that's why we have to consider that in those moments of decision. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not bow. May God give us faith through the fire. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.